I invite you to hear, listen to God's word as you turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from the men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her path to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Amen. You may be seated. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. We have that promise of this morning, and so let us... Go to the Lord in prayer, and then let us look at His Word. Father, we thank You so much uh, for the Word that You have given to us. Uh, God, You know, though, that we are a people who live in a very fast pace of life, and we're moving from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and we're, we're just constantly going on. And it's hard for us, God, sometimes to sit still. It's sometimes hard, God, for us to listen. We just want to get the bottom line and move on. But Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to resist that, that instinct within us that does not come from the Spirit of God. Um, but we pray instead that you might help us to abide in your word, to listen to you as you speak to us today. We thank you and pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as you might have guessed from last week's sermon, uh, that this idea of living life in light of eternity has been something that's very much been upon my mind recently. Uh, for those of you that weren't here last week, I actually did something that I don't think I've ever done before. I preached somebody else's sermon, an American Presbyterian minister by the name of Samuel Davies. Uh, he was alive during the 1700s, during the Great Awakening in America, and he preached a sermon entitled A New Year's Gift. And he preached it January 1st, 1760. So it's been a few years ago. I, don't, I didn't think any of you probably had heard that sermon before. So I felt very comfortable to, to preach that. But it was from Romans 13 and 11. And it was really talking about uh, thinking about eternity. 
And I was telling my wife this week, uh, as a matter of fact, just this morning, I think, uh, it's been sort of a crazy week, so I sort of forget what happened when. But, you know, I said, you know, it's so interesting that as you think about the salvation that God has given us, that, you know, uh, we oftentimes will focus on our justification. In other words, how we are made right with God. And we focus upon Christ and the cross and his sacrifice given for us. And, and as good Presbyterians, and we love our theology, you know, we also, though, we, we're, we're more broad than that. We think about sanctification and, you know, what it means to grow, to be more like Christ and to die more and more unto our sins and what it means to, to, to walk in, in holiness of life and, and things such as that. But one of the things that I think I'm coming to realize is that we don't think that much about glorification, about what life will be like in eternity. And, and I, I know I've heard many wiser men than myself say, you know, it's just unfortunate that we don't hear much preaching on heaven anymore, that we don't hear much preaching on eternity. And I think I'm beginning to get it. I think I'm beginning to understand what they are saying. I think I'm beginning to, to hear that the problem is if we do not understand our salvation in light of eternity, then we oftentimes end up with a truncated view of what salvation really is. And, and we think of salvation only in terms of this life rather than the life to come. And so, uh, as, I was, as I shared last week, you know, Samuel Davies talks about how uh, both worlds, the world that we live in now and eternity, the, the world to come, has a certain duties that are assigned to it, right? That the business of one world can't be done in the other world. In, in other words, you have time here upon this earth, and that is a time to labor. It is a time to work for the kingdom of God. It is a time to, to it's a seed time, if you want to put it that way. But then in eternity, we can't do those things. We, we can't evangelize. You know, we won't be doing those things that we are called to do here upon this earth because that will be the harvest time. That will be the time of receiving our reward. And so we must do the things that we are called to and give ourselves diligently to that. And so uh, I think about Jesus' parable about the man who went away on a long trip. And, and uh, he tells his servants, I'll be back. Continue the work. And they don't know when he'll return, but they know that he will return one day. And for those servants who are faithful, you know, they will hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And they will be rewarded for their efforts. But those who are unfaithful will be cast out of his presence. And, and it's passages like that that we oftentimes don't preach about today. We don't think about those things. And so this morning, I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 2, and you say, well, Pastor Rick, I don't think Proverbs 2 has much to do with eternity, and that's probably true in one sense, but in another sense, it's not, because it does talk about wisdom. And, and today, as we look at this passage that, that talks about wisdom, you know, we oftentimes think about wisdom just in terms of earthly things, just in terms of how does it help me make decisions? How does it, you know, help me to know where, what kind of job I should or career I should have, or, or what college I should go to, or what kind of friends that I should have, or who should I marry, or things such as that. But, and, and wisdom is helpful in those decisions. But wisdom is necessary for get living the godly life while here upon this earth. Wisdom is essential 
to live as a faithful servant until Christ's return. And so I want us to look at uh, Proverbs uh, this morning. And if you look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, you'll see that the wisdom calls out uh, to those that are around her. Wisdom calls out uh, to come to her, to, to heed her words, to live according to wisdom. And then as we come to Proverbs 2, we see a father instructing his son how to live a wise life. But these aren't just words of wisdom of a father to his son. I'm sure many dads in here uh, say many wise things to their sons. But this is a father who speaks the word of God, who is sharing God's wisdom with his son. Not just the wisdom of this world, but God's wisdom with his son, passing it down from one generation to the next. And as it is God's word, it is also a word for us to heed and to consider as well. And not only that, but in, in Proverbs, we see God, our Father, guiding us as his children to understand our adoption in Jesus Christ and the outcome of that adoption as his sons, namely that we might live a wise life. And so we see here in, in chapter 2 a number of things, but the first thing I want us to see is the pursuit of wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom. Uh, wisdom is near and and it's available as I said you know Proverbs Solomon uh, portrays wisdom as, as calling out to us to heed it to ask for it but it also is something that we must work to acquire wisdom calls out to us but at the same time we must put forth effort to obtain it uh, verses 1 through 5 describe the pursuit of wisdom and I want you to look at your Bibles if you would, and, and look at the verbs uh, in verses 1 through 5. And, and notice how they sort of escalate in intensity. You know, uh, he's, he's calling his son, first of all, to give his earnest attention, to, to devote himself to wisdom. Uh, we need to understand that wisdom is not automatic for us. Wisdom is not our default. Even as God's children, uh, we will never get there by just sort of drifting through the Christian life. Uh, it, uh, and, 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 if, and we can't be complacent, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But God is offering us a treasure infinitely worth seeking. And, and yet as strenuous as the search must be, we're not left without a path, without a way, without an understanding of the pursuit that we are to have towards wisdom. And first he tells us to receive it. Okay, He says, my son, if you receive my words... Okay, if you receive the word of God, okay, which is a, a receptiveness to wisdom. Uh, wisdom is, is of no benefit to those who don't receive it. Now, you would say, well, of course we receive it. Well, yes, maybe, sometimes, but sometimes we don't receive it so well. Sometimes we look at God's word and, you know, we just pick out maybe one or two things that sort of stand out to us. And we say, yes. That's, oh, that, yeah, oh, that's, that's really interesting. I'll, I'll latch on to that one thing. But many other things that God says in this word, we just sort of let go by the wayside. We don't consider these things. But the way of wisdom is to receive God's word, uh, to humbly submit to it, not just sort of picking and choosing what it is that we want to hear or what we want to receive, but understanding that this is the word of the living God. We're not just reading out of a book. We are hearing the word of the living God. 
And, and he says here that not only does the person who seeks wisdom receive that word, but they treasure that wisdom. Literally, that word in the Hebrew means to hide. Okay, uh, It means to treasure it, to, to recognize its value. Think of those things that are most precious to you, those things that are valuable to you, and you, how you hide it, and you protect it, and you keep it close to you. And so that is what we do with God's word and as we seek uh, wisdom. Look at verse 2. He says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. The, the ear and the heart should be captivated by wisdom. This is uh, all about paying attention. In other words, don't let God's word just come in one ear and go out the other. Don't listen to the Bible and immediately forget what it says. I mean, James talks about that, right? He says, when you do that, then you're just like a man who looks in a mirror, uh, walks away, and forgets what you look like. Or uh, if you immediately forget the word of God, it sort of goes along with the parable that Jesus told about how he plants the word of God, how it's sown, but then the birds come and they snatch it up immediately before it takes root. And that's what can happen with us. But this is a, a, an admonition here this morning not to for immediately forget the word. Then uh, instead, uh, don't let it just pass through your mind with fleeting thoughts, but with great effort and focus, deliberately focus on God and his word regularly. Matter of fact, he goes on and he says, incline your heart to understanding. In other words, make whatever adjustments need, are needed on the inside so that you're not indifferent to the word of God. Don't, don't just take it for granted, but especially uh, kids, for you, you have heard God's word uh, your whole life. You can't remember a time when you weren't in church. And I can remember that time when I grew up in the church, and I remember I've, I heard every Bible story in Sunday school, I think like a hundred billion times. And I could have just finished the story for the teacher, right? And you could just sort of hear that, and then you, you hear it so often you stop hearing it. But this is an admonition to listen carefully, not just to the story, but what it is that it means, what it is that the promises that it gives to you. So from your heart, with all your affections, give yourself to know wisdom. And then notice what verse 3 says. It's not just a sense of, of giving attention to God's word and abiding in that, but it's a sense of calling out to God, raising your voice. It's, it's the imagery, actually, of someone who's looking for a lost pet or a loved one. Have you, have you ever done that? You lost someone in your family or you lost a pet and you go outside, what do you do? You call its name. Rover! Rover, come home! You know, and you're, you're yelling for your dog because you want him to come home uh, because you miss him. It's that sense of, of calling out. And we see in Proverbs 1 that wisdom calls out to the simple to heed its message in Proverbs 2, we see that the righteous call out for wisdom. They, they don't just wait for wisdom to come, they pursue wisdom as well. And he's directing his son's ears and his attention, but also his heart. He, he implores his son, he says, don't be passive in this. Call out for wisdom, pursue it with your whole heart. And then verse 4, if you seek it like silver, and search for it as hidden treasures. Uh, I, I want you to see that these are words that reveal desire. 
you know, it's not just a sense of knowing that we need wisdom, so intellectually we're pursuing wisdom, but it's a sense in which we desire that wisdom. We're aggressively pursuing that. The person doing these things really wants to be wise. And what that means is, is that they adjust their priorities and they pursue wisdom above all else. At the top of their list of interest is that they might receive wisdom. But it's most important and it's basic um, is that we pursue it above all of our amusements, above all of our uh, ambitions, above all of our pursuits. Uh, that we look for this wisdom. More, wisdom is more valuable than all of these things to those that, that seek it. But with one seeking wisdom, God's word doesn't merely lodge in the head, but it's in the entirety of the heart. And we've talked about this in the past, that when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about just the head. It's talking about our affections. It's talking about our will as well. And that's what happens. If you look at these verbs... Uh, and the pursuit of wisdom, you see that it's not just a sense of, of knowing things from God's Word. It's not just knowing God intellectually, but there's a sense in which it, you meditate and you dwell upon it enough that it stirs your affections and it, it changes your will and the things that you do. And Solomon repeatedly tells us what to do to gain this wisdom. And if we thought we could receive wisdom easily, then these verses would easily destroy that notion that it's not an easy task. Nobody becomes wise by accident. Nobody stumbles upon wisdom. Nobody is walking along and trips over and finds wisdom. Um, but instead, it's something that we pursue. Isn't it interesting, brothers and sisters, we'll put in a 60-hour work week or a 70-hour work week uh, and we labor maybe for a paycheck, maybe because we want to get a promotion, maybe because we want to be successful, maybe because we want a good reputation, but we won't do the same when it comes to wisdom. Most of us are willing to work diligently at our jobs, but what about applying ourselves diligently to God's word to gain wisdom and spiritual riches that are more valuable and that last forever? Another way to maybe say this is, is if wisdom is obtained by those who diligently pursue it and work hard for it, then it's not obtained by those who won't put forth effort. Kids, you may have very godly parents who love you. I know a lot of parents in this congregation are so faithful to disciple their children and to train their kids up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And kids, you may have godly parents who are wise and seek to teach you to be able to be wise, but you may must gain wisdom for yourself. Uh, there are kids who, despite their parents' efforts, don't apply themselves to wisdom and become fools. Now, lest you think that what I'm preaching this morning is, do you need to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you need to work harder and you need to earn this wisdom by your own efforts. And let me just uh, alleviate your concerns. I know this can sound like legalism, you know, uh, that you might ask, how can God's grace be conditional? But we must remember that legalism is thinking that I can do something 
to earn God's favor. Uh, legalism is meritorious thinking. It's, it's thinking that I can do something to merit God's good will towards me. But this passage is simply asking every one of us uh, to pay attention. God is saying, this is how I give wisdom. This is how I give knowledge. This is how I give understanding. This is how you experience me. Experience me. I'm just explaining how things work. And so God calls us and he's saying to us as sons, and by the way, uh, we don't do anything to earn that position as sons, right? That's something that God bestows upon us. He gives it to us freely through Jesus Christ. But he says, you are my sons, you are my children. And so it is his fatherly love that speaks to us, that's calling us to take these steps towards growth, towards him, to walk in wisdom. And you'll gain wisdom and understand the fear of the Lord, but only as you pursue it diligently. So God's not saying, if you seek me, if you seek wisdom, I will love you more. He's saying, if you seek me, you will find me for all that I am worth. He knows that our greatest joy in life is him as we come to know him. Also notice, if, as you look at these uh, opening verses, there's sort of this if, 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 then, then formula. If, then, right? Num uh, verse 1, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Verse 3, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it for hidden treasure. You know, this, this shows, as we've been discussing, the conditional nature of these verses. Um, right, and, But then the following verses then contain the then. Verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse 9, then you will understand the righteousness, understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. So the if statements in verses 1 through 4 are followed then by the then statements of verses 5 through 9. You see, God wants us to know why we should pursue wisdom diligently. So he gives us uh, the benefits of wisdom as well. He tells us not only to pursue it, but he, he tells us the benefits. And the first benefit is, is vertical. We see in verse 5, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's no wisdom apart from an intimate relationship with God. Let us not forget that as we speak of wisdom, living in wisdom is not merely a lifestyle. But it is knowing God. It's walking in fellowship with Him like Adam and Eve did in the garden in the cool of the day. It is in fearing God. And if you find wisdom, you'll fear God. And if you fear God, you'll find wisdom. Look at verse 6. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So God is the source of all wisdom. Wisdom is not something that we can learn. Wisdom is not something that... Um, we can somehow uh, find inside of ourselves, but we see that wisdom comes down from above, from the Father uh, who gives all good things to us. He is the source. It is for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And it makes sense because God is our creator. He's the one who made us. He's the one who made the world. So who else could tell us reliably about ourselves and how we are to live in this world, how we are to relate to Him, how we are to relate to one another. God who made us, who established 
the moral order of the world to whom we're accountable. It is from him that we learn how to do these things. It is in him that we learn uh, to walk. And so you must make every effort and be diligent to hearing and receiving his wisdom. But God has spoken wisdom to us and made it available in his word. So we must read it. We must study it. We must memorize it. We must meditate on it and treasure it. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Westminster Larger Catechism, uh, there's actually a section in the Larger Catechism that explains how you are to prepare yourself to come to hear the preaching of the Word, then what you are to do while you are listening to the Word of God being preached, and then what you are to do after you hear the Word of God preached. You think maybe that when the sermon's done, you can leave and it's all you can forget about it. But uh, these saints of old understood what, what Solomon was talking about. We must give ourselves to, the, to, to meditate upon these things, to think about these things, to consider these things. So let's look at the value of wisdom as we look at the last part of this proverb. Uh, it, we, we, uh, it will, uh, what we see is, is, as, is we seek that wisdom and God gives us that. It shapes our appetites and develops in us a taste for wisdom and a distaste for folly. It'll enable you to see through the allurements of, of this world, the, the evil things that seek to shape our hearts and to capture our hearts rather than allowing us to give ourselves to God. But it will also protect us from foolish choices that you might otherwise make. And young people, this is very important. You know, you've probably heard the old adage, you know, that you can learn from other people's mistakes. But then I've also come to learn over my many years on this earth that there are some people who just seem to have to be the ones that make those mistakes, right? And uh, it's better to learn from other people's mistakes than it is to do the other. Well, wisdom can guard you and protect you so you don't have to make those mistakes uh, from those things. Look at verses 9 through 11. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. You see, wisdom is the way to these virtues. Wisdom allows us to understand righteousness and justice and equity. And, and of course, these virtues describe the ethical aspect of wisdom, which means they help us to understand how to treat people, right? That's what they, they tell us. And notice that this verse begins with the word then. The idea is, is that we will not have that understanding of righteousness and justice and equity without wisdom. Now, think about our world and, and how all the talk of social justice and all these things that are going on. And it's no wonder that the world is so confused about what that ought to look like because they don't have God's wisdom. And that's why man thinks socialism and murdering babies is righteous and just and equitable because they don't operate off the wisdom of God. They operate off the wisdom of this world. Notice that he says every good path. These verses are about the blessings God's people enjoy when they walk the path of wisdom. Now that word for path means an entrenchment. It's sort of, um, uh, uh, it's referring to like the tracks that uh, a vehicle makes. Uh, maybe if you think of it this way, we live in the Midwest, you know, the prairie. 
Maybe the wagon ruts that you see sometimes on the prairie was as the settlers would come across this part of the country. That's what he's talking about here. And it's very fitting because all of us in our life take a path. We sort of walk a certain way. And wisdom helps us to make sure that the path we're making for ourselves is a good path. It is a righteous path. It is a God-honoring path. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, he says, Wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Uh, this is what, where you want wisdom is in your heart, right? Because Proverbs says, from the heart flow the springs of life. And if you get wisdom in your heart, it will affect every area of your life. So sometimes doing what's right requires uh, external pressure, right? Kids, you probably know that. There's times when you don't really want to clean your room, right? There's times when maybe you don't want to uh, be nice to your brothers and sisters. There's times when you're not really wanting to serve your neighbor uh, the way your parents think you ought to serve them and maybe go over and shovel the snow out of their driveway and stuff like that. So you have to have sort of that external pressure put upon you. And we're all like that. You know, we talk about peer pressure in terms of teens, but the reality is we all wrestle with peer pressure businessmen housewives everyone we all struggle with that but it's sometimes that peer pressure can be good maybe from your church or your boss or whatever it may be but verse 10 says wisdom will come into our hearts and the idea is is we won't need that external pressure to do what's right because we will have been changed from within we make the right choice because our hearts desire the right choice. So let me ask you young people here today. Are you doing the things that God desires because your parents are encouraging you to do that? Maybe even telling you to do that? Or do you have a heart that's guided by wisdom? Do you want to do the things that God says? I encourage you, I implore you, I beg you, pray that God would give you a wise heart, that you might walk that path your whole life, young people, uh, rather than waiting until you get older, making all those mistakes. Look at verse 11. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. With God's wisdom soaking down into our hearts, we are fortified against temptations uh, we are fortified against two temptations that will inevitably face in this world. First of all, we see in verses 12 through 15, we're kept safe from devious men. Okay, uh, while the writer of Proverbs calls these men evil, when we see them in this world, we wouldn't necessarily think of them that way. As a matter of fact, these may be people who are highly successful, maybe very... Uh, impressionable people maybe men that you would want to be around they, uh, if you were in high school you would call this these men the cool kids right these are the ones you want to be like uh, you would hope that maybe they would invite you to be part of their inner ring um, and they are people uh, but they are people who uh, are not against maybe bending the rules a little bit uh, to accomplish whatever it is that they want. We see here in, in, in verses 12 through 15 where he talks about those men of perverted speech. Now this doesn't mean people who just 
use bad words or they tell dirty jokes or things like that. That's not what it means by perverted. Actually, in the Hebrew, that word perverted uh, includes even good words, even uh, what we would think is, is wise words. Uh, but it's good words that are being used to pervert things, to turn things upside down, to take things and turn them inside out. In other words, their words do not reflect reality. And th there are many people in this world that they are very wise in the ways of this world. And they are, they are people that we might look up to and that we might admire, but they are godless, godless people. And because they live their life without God, the things that they say aren't necessarily true. And, and uh, they lead us astray and they lead us away from God and trusting in Him. You see, our words are meant to represent reality. They should say what is true, but words can be used to twist reality, to flip the meaning and make them the opposite. I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul, when he encourages the church at Ephesus, he says in Ephesians 4.25, he says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, I think it's interesting that Paul doesn't say, don't lie. Did you notice that? Instead, he says, put away falsehood and speak the truth. He doesn't say, don't lie. And, and I think why that's so helpful for us is how many times have you said yourself, or maybe you've heard somebody else say, to say, well, technically, that wasn't a lie. In other words, maybe most of what I said wasn't true, but there was this little bit of part that was true. And so technically, it's not a lie because it's not all false. You know, there's some truth in my statement, but Paul says, put away all falsehood, right? Speak only the truth. Speak that which represents reality. And that sort of addresses those times when we're tempted to sort of fudge on the truth in order to, to maybe accomplish the things that we want to accomplish by putting some falsehood and some truth together. He says, get rid of all that falsehood and only speak what's true. But these men that, that were warned against in Proverbs are not men who do that. There are men who mix their words. There are men who, who uh, uh, twist and, and form their words in such a way that they can accomplish what it is that they want. But even if the unbelieving person attempts to speak truthfully, it's hard to do so because God is not part of their worldview. And so if nothing else, their worldview is truncated because it does not include the supernatural. But if wisdom has entered your heart, then tricky words won't, won't pass the test. We'll, we'll recognize those falsehoods that, that men speak around us. You might not be able to explain what bothers you about what they say, but the wisdom of God will protect you and help you to discern and to see what is true and what is not. The God-given wisdom deep in your heart will also protect you from a second temptation that we see in verses 16 through 19, and that is from the deadly woman. Not only from the devious man, but the deadly woman. At one level, this paragraph is about sexual temptation, the warnings which the young will do well to heed, right? but not only the young, the old as well. But at another, this figure stands for the opposite of wisdom. If, if wisdom is a woman who calls out to heed to you, 
here is the godless woman that that calls out as well seeking attention her ways are not life-giving but her ways are only destruction here the adulteress is depicted as a married woman who who left her husband who ignores the marriage covenant that she made with her husband and before God and she's put herself outside the community of God's people and the voice of wisdom is is heard warning the young man against her alluring ways uh, she is able to, to to seduce the young man with her words the path of adultery in fact leads in the opposite direction from life-giving to as, as Solomon says it is the way of death to go with the loose woman is to walk off the path of life you know it's it's interesting I I, I tell people oftentimes you know with the internet we don't need to fear it it's a great tool to use but there are parts of it that go after us that pursue us that don't wait for us to go to it it comes to us and allures it in uh, you see all kinds of ads on the internet you know with scantily dressed women and things and pornographic things that will come up on pages and ads and things like that it comes after you it, it, it speaks to you it's like this uh, adulterous woman does this is a warning against getting mixed up uh, with those that, that do not follow the Lord um, if we are truly wise we'll be careful to avoid all evil company and evil practices and when wisdom has its dominion in our hearts its influence over us then it will not only fill our heads but it will, it will change our, the things that we desire and the things that we will as well and preserve us not only against the corruptions within but also the temptations from without as well. Well, verses 20 through 22 are just sort of a, a summary of, of the chapter. Uh, you see in verse 21 the promise that's given. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous that is for the person who is wise the promise is that heaven is reserved for the holy but then we see in verse 21 uh, the the warning the negative uh, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out the warning that there is no heaven for those who are not holy uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ and so, brothers and sisters, as we think about this passage, uh, a person who strives for wisdom will, will find it, and it will enter their heart. We see that in verses 1 through 4. And obtaining wisdom requires a diligent on our part, a, 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 a pursuing, if you would, a, a pleading, a praying, a asking God that he would give us his wisdom. Uh, and having such wisdom gives us inner joy and pleasure wisdom is a provision of God's grace it's not a work that we somehow accomplish even though God calls us to pursue it it is of his grace as well it enables us to navigate the problems and the perils of life with the fatherly guidance we have not earned nor can we provide through our own abilities because wisdom is from above so let us rethink our lives okay with humble reverence before God 
that we would be people who would call out for insight and wisdom, that we would seek it like silver, search for it as with hidden treasure. But we have the privilege of asking a willing God who delights to provide wisdom for us. So it's not that we have to wrestle God for wisdom. But what God wants, and I hope you see this, you know, seeking wisdom is laborious because in that process of seeking wisdom, God is changing and molding and shaping our hearts, our intellect, our affections, and our will that we might follow Him. And though we pursue His wisdom with every expectation of gaining it as our own. The whole passage is meant to position us in that place of blessing and protection. And we need it, do we not? A tsunami of sin is slamming us in our world today. And, and all of us are suffering under it. Now it may be uh, the suffering that's our own fault because we've been complacent and, and we have sinned against the Lord and we've not considered our sin, we've not repented of it. And, and we are feeling the, the discipline of God's hand upon us to return to Him. But in other times, the suffering may be because we have been sinned against, and others have sinned against us. Or maybe we have stayed true to the Lord, and there are those who, who don't like the light that we shine in their life. And there's persecution uh, in your life. People make fun of you. They forsake you. They... They look over you because you're just a religious fanatic, whatever it may be. However, we are suffering. Our real business is with Christ. And he is saying to us in his word, come to me, deal with me. I am able to restore you out of your past failings. And I am able to defend you in the future. Give yourself to me and I will give myself to you in all my grace. My wisdom will enter your heart in ways you've never known before. And so, brothers and sisters, will you come to Christ today to entrust Him, to seek His wisdom, knowing that He wants to give you Himself? Let's bow our heads this morning and consider this Word of God that was preached this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for your wonderful grace that you give to us. God, I know you have called us to be your children, to, to work while it is light. Lord, to labor upon this earth uh, for your glory, to be your servants. Lord, we are aliens in this world. We're, we're strangers. We, we have a, a higher calling. We pray that you would help us to fulfill that. But would you give us your wisdom, Lord? Help us to walk in your ways. 
that we might live our lives not as wasted lives, not as lives of regret as we uh, come closer each and every day to eternity, uh, but Lord, to, to walk in your presence, to know you, to delight in you, to know that you are guiding us, you are protecting us, you are watching over us, and that you will bring us home safely one day. Uh, we thank you, Lord, and pray these things in your name. Amen.